UFC Fight Pass presents Extra Rounds. Live from the Fight Pass studios in Southern California. Extra Rounds. Extra Rounds. Along with Pearl Gonzalez. Here's your host, TJ DeSantis. We are live here on the UFC Fight Pass Facebook page. We are on site in Las Vegas for UFC 265. We will see... Charles Oliveira defend his lightweight title for the very first time against Dustin the Diamond Poirier. That is headed your way Saturday night live on pay-per-view. Hey everybody, TJ DeSantis along with Pearl Gonzalez. We are live, as I mentioned, on the ground here in Las Vegas, hanging out at uh, Twin Peaks, which is a pretty cool uh, sports bar. And uh, we're going to be joined by uh, former UFC heavyweight champion Andre Arlovsky coming up in a little bit. But Pearl, like, I'm getting used to this. Traveling on the road for the biggest fights of the year, this is pretty fun. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. I left Chicago just in time. The weather is fantastic here in Las Vegas. What a pleasure it is to be here. Yeah, no, 100%. And, uh, you know, it, it's great to be here, but it's also great to be here for some phenomenal fights. And let's get into our main event. Charles Oliveira defending his lightweight title for the very first time against Dustin Poirier. This is going to be one of those fights, Pearl, where I think, uh, you know, we kind of feel good no matter who wins because Charles Oliveira has been chasing this lightweight championship for a very long time, going back over a decade fighting in the UFC. He finally captured that belt, but he's taking on Dustin Poirier, who's a man that, I'm sorry, like you can't not like Dustin Poirier. The guy always gives back to his uh, community and, and really tries to make a difference. And he's an example of what you want in a fighter inside and outside of the octagon. Yeah, both of these gentlemen, when you, when you think of you know, examples of this sport and, and just role models, mentors, you can't help but think of these two gentlemen. Both of these men have been fighting for so long in the UFC, over a decade, both gentlemen. I, you know, I think Dustin Poirier made his first main event debut back in 2010. And Charles Oliveira also made his debut in the UFC back in 2010. And here we are in 2021 at the end of that, and they're finally meeting for, for this for this belt. Let's take a look at some of the stats on both of these athletes. You mentioned Charles Bronx Oliveira um, made his UFC debut in August of 2010. Pretty solid record, 31 wins, eight losses, one no contest, riding a nine-fight winning streak, which is really hard to do in this lightweight division. It's one of the most talented uh, divisions in all of mixed martial arts. And look at this. The most finishes in UFC history owned by Charles Oliveira. And, uh, you know, speaking of finishes, I'm looking at a man right here that has plenty of finishes <laughs> himself. And we're going to bring him in right now. Oh You'll know goodness. him. He needs no introduction. Come on in here, Andre right Olofsky. We'll get you in the middle, Andre. There we go. Former UFC heavyweight champion, Andre Olofsky, the pit bull. Kind the, enough to uh, get, get a wrecking ball? What? What'd you say? I said, I said the pit bull. Oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, what, what are you doing? Are you uh, in time for the fights? Yep. Yeah? UFC brought me for the fights, and I'm very excited about having up matches, and uh, it's going to be hard. What do you uh, what do you think about Charles Oliveira? Because you know he's defending his title for the first time. He's similar to you in the sense that he's a long tenured guy. He's been in the UFC for a really long time. Not not as long as you have been, but do you feel like uh, you know a, a special sort of like interest in, in guys like uh, Oliveira that have been around? Listen, he's a champion. That's it. And he's going to defend uh, his title against tough uh, fighter against my teammate Dustin Poirier. It's going to be a good fight. 
when you look I'm at really excited about this fight. when you look at this fight, Poirier has been essentially fighting Conor McGregor for the last year. Is it going to be weird for Dustin to go in there and, and fight someone that isn't Conor and have uh, you know the, the stakes even higher though when it comes to the title? Listen, Dustin first of all deserves a fight, and uh, and uh, they both tough, they both like exciting fighters, and uh, better man gonna be a champion. Either he stays champion or they're gonna have a new champion on Saturday night. So, like I said, I'm very excited about this fight, and uh, yeah, ATT American Top Team, very excited. You know, Andre, so I, I read up you right now, where you are first and foremost, being in the sport for so long. You know, I look at you and I draw inspiration. How have you managed to not only stay in the sport, but also to evolve for so long? Like, what's your secret? Do you have the secret sauce? What can you give to the up and coming fighters, you know, in their career? What advice would you give? Advice, take care of yourself, take care of yourself, especially at age 42. And, uh, and I'm like a person because uh, my wife let me do what I love to do. And I love fighting, I love training hard and yeah. I'm like a man. You just said you're 42 years old. I mean, the heavyweight division, the new champion, Glover Teixeira, who is also 42. I'm very excited you for him. I going, there, yeah. You know, four and one in your last five fights. Does it not, is it not where exactly where you want to be, knowing that the championship is still attainable? Before in each interview, I, I, I always says like, for heavyweight, it's just prime time, you know. We have great exams. Glover Teixeira, uh, uh, George Foreman, you know, like so. I'm going to be next, so I'm very excited. You know, I think I there's still, only... I still, I still have fire in my eyes, and I'm like, I, I fuck, man, I love, we love what, it. I'm, what, what I'm doing right now. I'm very excited. We see, see it. That's, we see it. That's what's exciting, Andre. You're obviously, you know, fired up and, and passionate about this sport. You know, you, the only person that's been in the UFC longer than you is Bruce Buffer at this point. <laughs> and uh, you're going back <laughs> to UFC uh, 28. How have you been able to stay this motivated? Because there are multiple times where you could have walked away and, you know, probably been a UFC Hall of Famer a long time ago. Yeah, but I want to still fight in the UFC and be Hall of Famer, you know? Right. I want to be yeah. a first person, but yeah, absolutely right. My first fight was uh, September, I came, uh, it was November tw uh, November 16, UFC 28, so it's like 20, 21 years. Yeah, uh, UFC debut November 2000. Yeah, Aaron Brink. Yeah, Aaron Brink. seconds, yeah. Armbar, uh, quick night of work. Mahal, yep, yep. Atlantic City. Now, you know, looking at your career, Andre, I think you were the first mainstream star when it comes to the UFC and the heavyweight division because you had this look and this aura about you. What What do you think, like, I mean, you were there for the evolution of this sport. Did you ever expect it to get this big? I'm not that big like, like, like present day stars of UFC, but uh, listen, uh, Back in the days, my boxing coach from Chicago, Mike Garcia, called me European Dream, you know, because I came here to chase chase, chase, chase my dreams, and uh, I was a champion, and I still do what I'm like. Like I said, I'm like a person. I'm doing what I love to do. And, like, I know, like, I'm not done yet, and I still have, like, a few more years. We love watching you, so, it's, you know, we're much. passionate about seeing you uh, continue in the octagon. Uh, what do you think next year is going to hold for you? Is there, there any goal, uh, you know, that you can put out there that... You're, you're striving to get in 2022? I'm like Nike, just do it, you know, I'm ready to go. And uh, actually I want to fight like, in, uh, if it's possible in January. 
Awesome. So we'll I like that. Like Nike. Just just do yeah, it. Do it yeah. Awesome. Andre, I appreciate the time, sir. Uh, best thank of luck going much. into the new thank year, you. and uh, thanks for stopping by. Thank you, guys. Happy holidays, and thank you very much for having me. Same thank to you. you. Thanks, Andre. Thank you. There he is, the Pitbull, Andre Olofsky, kind enough to give us a few moments here on Extra Rounds. Again, we are live in Las Vegas, TJ DeSantis, Pearl Gonzalez, and I mean, no hyperbole, Andre Olofsky truly is one of the greatest stars in UFC history. When you look at the heavyweight division, like this guy had the first real sort of rivalry in the heavyweight division with, with the, you know, Tim Sylvia and some epic fights there. Um, you know, th this guy, like anybody that can be you know at the top level like Andre has been for so long they're made of something special and it, it, it's crazy to see him you know fighting 21 years later after he made his UFC debut but still he seems honestly he seems more fired up about it now than he was when he first came to the UFC he looks so technical right now TJ if you look at his skills he's more agile he has much more tools in his toolbox obviously you know competing and, and training all of these years but he does, his body has transformed again. And he does, he looks incredible. And he's still at the, it seems like he's at the peak of his career at 42 years old. I also, you know, I drew inspiration. I've been watching Andre throughout my entire fight career and like the hair, the different hairstyles, the, the swag he carried, you know, I have always drawn inspiration from him. And he is, he's a, he's a very inspiring, you know, one of those pioneers of our sport that you can always look to for, for some inspiration. Yeah, and you know, that's one thing too. He mentioned being a member of American Top Team. Uh, he started in the same city where he started in Chicago. Um, you went out to Jackson's. He's gotten different looks, and I think that's what has really sort of catapulted him to still being relevant and on top today is that he's continued to push himself and progress and make sure that the 2021 Andre Arlovsky is better than the 2001. Andre Lofsky. And, and you know, it shows. It, it really does. The results are proof. He's on a two-fight win streak right now. And right now, I've talked about this so many times, the sport is just at its pinnacle as far as evolution goes. Like, we are evolving so fast. The UFC's holding fights every weekend. You can fight five, six times a year now at this point. It's crazy. 20 years ago when he started, you know, there was five, six fights in a year. And so, to be able to evolve at the, the, the speed that it's evolving at and just maintain this elite level is so special. No, 100%. And uh, we mentioned that Andre is a member of American Top Team, as is Dustin Poirier, who is one half of your main event. Didn't need to ask Andre who he's picking. I'm sure he's picking the diamond, Dustin Poirier. But let, let's talk a little bit about this. I alluded to it with uh, Andre. This is the first fight that Dustin has had in, in over a year where it wasn't Conor McGregor standing uh, across from him. It's been one game plan essentially over two fights for, for Dustin fighting Conor. Now looking at what he has coming up on Oliveira, is, is this sort of like refreshing for him, do you think, that he, he's not worried about fighting this, the same guy over and over again? There are a lot of you know, pressures and extracurriculars that come with fighting Conor. You know, he said he made a statement this morning and, and said that if he wins this, this is for eternity because you can never take away him being a champion. And so this has always been the ultimate goal. And honestly, so when he made his move back up into the lightweight division, he said, this is the division I'm staying at. This is the division I will become a champion in. And I believe that was, don't, I believe it was 2013 that he said that. And here we are 
He's competing again for this belt. It, it, it's very attainable for him. I mean, he's a dog. And to top it off, he has the most knockouts in this in this division. So if there's any one fighter that can really come in, and yes, Oliveira has this nine-fight win streak. He's on a phenomenal roll. He's got tons of momentum. Dustin Poirier snapped Holloway's 13-fight win right. streak. So he's done this before. If there's any one candidate that can do this, it's Dustin Poirier. No, I'm looking at the bio for the Diamond 28-6 MMA record. Uh, you know, a WEC veteran. Not too many WEC vets uh, still inside the UFC. Yeah. Uh, former interim UFC champion. So he's tasted gold, but not the undisputed crown. And that's something that Dustin, I, I think, will not mince his words about. He doesn't feel like he was uh, a UFC champion. He feels like the interim label, it wasn't enough for him. So he's going to try to check that uh uh, box off his list, but looking at, like you said, the most knockouts in the lightweight division against the guy who has the most stoppages in the UFC, like, I, I really struggle with seeing, with, with not seeing how this isn't a banger, like this, oh my gosh, you know, in every aspect, yeah, and like, I, I really feel like when you look at this fight on paper, we're going to set the, the sort of expectations high, but I truly believe that they can uh, deliver. And when I look at Charles Oliveira, going back to this being his first UFC title fight, I'm curious your thoughts, Pearl, because this is his first title defense. He beat Michael Chandler in a fight where it looked like Chandler was actually going to you know, pull out the, the win there, but Oliveira, you can never you know, count the man out. Um, when you look at Oliveira, what do you think we should expect from him as far as you know, being the defending champion. Will that add more pressure to him? You know, I think that if there's anyone that's prepared for this, it's Charles Oliveira. He's been training his whole life. He started training jiu-jitsu at the age of 12. You know, his family was poor. He comes from a very, very poor background, the slums in Brazil. He, he's worked so hard to get her. He's worked his entire life. That doesn't change just because he has a title. He, that, that work, that work ethic that he has does not change. And so he's one of the most technical fighters in this division. If you look at the way he moves, the fluidity in his striking, the dexterity, the, the transitions in his grappling, you know, what's actually most impressive to me is, is the, his ability to set up his submissions with his striking on the ground. It's, it's phenomenal the way that he does that. And not very many fighters can do that. They can see the submission two, three, plays ahead and so yes Oliveira is not taking this lightly he's, he's not allowing the championship to get in his way he knows very well where he's at he's worked his entire life to be here and I believe that he is more prepared than ever for this for this title defense you know what makes Oliveira so dangerous I think is the fact that he is as good on the floor as he is on the feet and both of those games really complement one another because you say that you know he, he thinks you know multiple moves ahead he might be thinking about the ground game when he's already you know still like kicking the upside the head like he, he's very dangerous and can sort of dictate where almost any fight takes place obviously Dustin Poirier is going to try to say something about that but uh you know it's, it's pick your poison with someone like Oliveira absolutely he's like you said he is dangerous everywhere if you look at his his uh, combinations on the feet like his ability to throw his hands to his feet and then he gets in tight and these elbows and knees they're devastating he gets you to the ground more than likely not by a takedown but by his strikes the overwhelming striking combination that he throws at you and, and it gets you down and once he gets you down he can catch you absolutely anywhere in a submission he can catch you while you're trying to take him down he can catch you while you're hitting the ground i mean anywhere this man can catch you 
It is Extra Rounds live here on the UFC Fight Pass Facebook. Pearl Gonzalez, I'm TJ DeSantis, live on the ground in Las Vegas for UFC 269. And it is a championship doubleheader coming up on Saturday night. Also in our co-main event, you'll see Amanda Nunes uh, defend her bantamweight crown against Juliana Pena. This is a fight that was supposed to happen earlier this year. We got to wait a little bit longer for it. But, you know, it's a special thing whenever Amanda Nunes is fighting. She's the greatest woman to ever do it in mixed martial arts and she keeps adding to her chapter and her storybook run here. Uh, what, what do you think about uh, this fight being delayed a little bit? Because I, I think it's actually, you know, grown the anticipation because Penny's a very tough fighter. We haven't seen this matchup before. Uh, we had, Again, it was slated to happen, but now that it's finally happening, like, I'm, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, you know, if there's anyone deserving of, you know, the fight to be moved back, it's Amanda Nunes. She is the longest reigning defending champion currently right now she's defending two belts there's no other champion that has has a has taken and maintained two different weight divisions and she's just she's taking out both weight divisions not many not any fighter not any mma mixed martial artist has been able to do this so if there's anyone deserving of you know a pushback or or whatever due to covid it's her right she's worked so hard to be here and to maintain both weight divisions which is basically impossible. Yeah, no, let's take a look at some of the stats on the Bantamweight champion. By the way, she's also the featherweight champion. In case you're living under a rock, the Lioness <laughs> is uh, just running business in women's mixed martial arts. 21 and four is her MMA record. Unbeaten since 2014. Currently riding a 12-fight win streak. Five successful Bantamweight title defenses. She's looking for number six coming up on Saturday. Most knockouts in the Bantamweight division. So looking at Nunes, she's a, a proven commodity to say the least. And oh you know, I'm, I'm curious, Pearl, when you look at Nunes, how much longer will she continue to fight? Because, you know, like Andre Arlovsky, I think she's at a point where you have to really be in love with the sport to continue to do it. She's already done enough to be considered the greatest of all time. How much longer should we expect her to compete, you think? As long as she wants to, TJ. I mean, you said it. This is the greatest woman to ever step foot inside of a cage in the octagon. Like, she's beat all of the greats, if you look at it. And not just barely, by devastating fashion. Cyborg. Misha Tate, Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey, like she has knocked out, put put all of these women on the canvas. So if there's anyone that can continue and maintain this um, level, this elite level, it's Amanda Nunes. 100%. And, uh, you know, we're looking for people to maintain this elite level. I'm looking at a man who can maintain our elite level of, of guests right now. Uh, the former UFC lightweight champion is in the house, former WEC lightweight champion it is anthony showtime pettis but he's uh he's sitting down over there so i don't, I don't know maybe he's not maybe he's not coming over here yet but uh let's, let's talk a little bit more about uh the the challenger coming up on saturday night uh for amanda nunez it is juliana pena uh pena is an interesting fighter to, to say the least because she's been around since the ultimate fighter season 18. um she's a interesting style matchup for nunez but it, it's still a very tough uh, task for her to, to find a path to victory. When, when you look at her skills, I, I think she's you know very competent uh, on the feet, but is primarily a grappler. Does she have to get this fight to the floor if she plans on walking out with the bantamweight title? 
yes, I, I believe so. The Just based off of Amanda Nunez's resume and what she does on the feet, if she touches you, it's devastating. She's putting you out. She can cut the lights out with just one shot. She has proven that time and time again. And if there's anybody more worthy of this opportunity, it's Juliana Pena. She has worked so hard. The first woman to ever win the Ultimate Fighter. She's been campaigning really hard for this fight. She wants this fight. She's prepared for it. She believes that she's never been better inside of her career than she is today. And so if there's anyone that does deserve, is very deserving of it, it is it's Juliana Pena. Yeah, let's take a look at the Bantamweight rankings because this is why I think this fight is really desirable because when you look at the names, you know, up and down the list, there, there are a lot of athletes that Amanda Nunes has already fought and, and beat. Juliana Pena ranked number three. This is a fight we haven't seen yet. And, you know, again, I, I understand that Pena is going to be a, a pretty sizable underdog coming up uh, on Saturday night. But the fact that we haven't seen this sort of style matchup is going to be interesting because when you look at Nunes, she's had trouble in the past. Uh, her last loss was against a grappler in, in Katzingano. I mean, that was so long ago, it's not even fair to say that was the same Amanda Nunes. But if Pena is able to sort of impose her will, Maybe she could do something special coming up on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And she, Juliana looks better than she ever has. If you've seen her media day pictures that they posted today, she is in phenomenal shape right now. And again, she is, see, she is one of those fighters that brings chaos. She is a very frantic fighter. She's coming. She's not stopping. She's constantly striking, whether she's on her back, she's on top, she's on her feet. Juliana is ferocious. She's vicious. She's aggressive. She's, she's everything that you would want for, for a challenger in this fight. Amanda Nunes, though, is, is just... She's just one of those special fighters that right. we've never seen before. If she touches you again, if she puts one hand on you, you're going to sleep. And when we we saw her fight Jermaine Deronomy, she was able to take the fight down when she needed to. So she's very aware and very very intelligent as the fight goes on. If she's not doing well on the feet, which which seems to be her her strong suit, she can take you down. She's just submitted Megan Anderson in her last fight. She can submit you if she wants to. She's a jiu-jitsu black belt. And so I think that if anybody's going to welcome this grapple it's going to be Amanda Nunes. I, I believe she's just, she's well prepared in every area of this fight. Again, not breaking news, it is Juliana Pena that is the sizable underdog here coming up on Saturday night. But, you know, just for, uh, you know, outline purposes, how does Pena win this fight if she does win this fight? Is it going to have to be a submission? Can she, you know, take home a 25-minute decision? Like, what do you think the most likely outcome that would result in her getting her hand raised? What would that be? You know, based on Nunez's record in previous fights from years ago, if you can get her down, you can drag this fight out, you can potentially set up a submission. I think that uh, Pena's best bet will be in a decision and, and to be able to take her down and control her and just outstrike her on, on the ground because I, I just don't see that on the feet. Let's take a look at the odds. We've been talking about Pena being an underdog. These look at the odds brought to you by DraftKings. Uh, looking at Amanda Nunes, minus 900. Uh, the comeback on Juliana Pena, plus 600. So, uh, you know, the, the betting is, is very much on the side of the champion in Amanda Nunes. And, you know, that's really not surprising. That's not uh, anything unexpected. But I'm, I'm a bit curious in the sense that... What 
what does that do for Juliana Pena? Because I, I know that she knows that she's the underdog, but to see it in that sort of bold font where, you know, you've got to bet nearly $1,000 to win 100 on Amanda Nunes, that, that's got to be a little bit frustrating or maybe upsetting when you know the world is basically giving you a snowball's chance. You know, at the end of the day, listen, regardless of the media, the, the betting odds, the this, the that, it's still the same thing and every time you step foot inside of a cage in an octagon it's a fight it's a fight between you and your opponent and if there's anyone that understands that very well it's juliana pena she wanted this fight she protested she's been campaigning i mean she's been pushing for this fight it's not like they gave it to her she wanted this fight so she is exactly where she wants to be and on saturday night she will be exactly where she wants to be locked inside of a cage with amanda nunez so if i don't i don't think that any of that matters when it boils down to the being in the moment and in those 25 minutes juliana Peno will be exactly where she wants to be you know i don't know if betting 900 dollars to win 100 is the smartest bet on amanda and Nunez, just because anything can happen, $900 to win $100, eh, I don't know. but It's exciting, right? right? No, 100%. It's exciting. 100%. I, I got a bit <laughs> better of a bet for people. If they go over to DraftKings Sportsbook, yes. Tongue twister. Yes, it is. Uh, and in, in this one, if you bet it, you're going to win money, I think. DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing you plenty of ways to get in on the action during UFC 269. Make a $1 bet on the main event and pocket $100 if either fighter lands a single punch. Just use the promo code fight pass when you sign up today DraftKings Sportsbook bet with the only top rated sportsbook that matters someone's gonna land a punch hundred dollars like basically free money from DraftKings yeah that's amazing yeah and I'm impressed that you were able to write all that down and read that yeah so well. I mean I, I have decent handwriting okay right I kind of I mean no, okay. not at no, all. Sorry. Not even close, TJ. See, this is why I love you, Pearl. You always keep it real, <laughs> despite destroying my ego. Well, all right. Uh, let's take a look at uh, some other action headed your way on a Saturday night. Um, really a stacked card and one that I'm, uh, you know, really excited for because we, we have, you know, top, you know, ranked opponents, you know, all the way up and down uh, this card. Let's take a look. Uh, Kai Car France taking on uh, Cody Garbrandt. This is a flyweight fight. Cody Garbrandt making his flyweight debut. Yes. When I look at, at Cody, I mean, he's a proven commodity, former champion at Bantamweight, but moving down to 125 pounds. Uh, I'm curious what we should really expect from him because, you know, sometimes you'd like to have athletes, you know, make a test cut or, you know, not necessarily have the first fight be uh, against a top, you know, rated opponent, but he, he's jumping in the flyweight fire, taking on uh, Kai Car France. Um, what do you think we should expect from, from Cody and, you know, the sense of learning about him uh, at 125 pounds? You know, I love this fight. I love this fight so much. Kai Kata France is just a phenomenal striker. Um, and Cody, we as we know, we all know, he's, he's one of those exciting fighters where he will either knock you out or is willing to get knocked out in trying to knock you out. And he just, he packs so much power in his hands and he's got such efficient striking and the way that he grapples and, and strikes and transitions the two together has been second to none and, and especially in his reigning days I mean how we, there was just not a formula really that you could beat that and so when you look at him today you know I watched his, his, his media stuff today and he said that he's 
inspired right now. He's inspired for the takeover because he's coming into this flyweight division in which he believes is his true weight class, uh, and he's coming in to take over over this entire division. It's interesting to see him at 125 because he, he wasn't a small 35 pounder, you know. And I understand, you know, we went down this whole road when Jose Aldo moved down to 135. We're like, oh, is he going to be able to make this weight cut? We a lot of people sort of said no, like they were counting him out, and now Jose Aldo is, is one of the world's best at 135 pounds. Yes. So what is it about fans and media alike that tend to just get a little bit more maybe unnecessarily worried for an athlete when, the, when they're cutting uh, you know, a, a, an amount of weight that previously didn't seem possible? It's 10 pounds, TJ, and it doesn't, it may not sound a lot, but when you are an athlete, it is one pound, five ounces can seem like just so unattainable, especially at the end, at the very end of your weight cut. And it does, it, it's a completely different weight class. You're dealing with completely different bodies, completely different styles. And when you look at the, the Bantamweight to the flyweight division, it is very different. The flyweights are so fast. You know, their combinations, their volume is, is so much more, in my opinion, than the Bantamweight division. And so having that, the movement, like in a flyweight fight, you just, you can't blink your eyes because it's, it's nonstop from the feet to the ground, to the ground, to the feet. And so it is, it's a very different style on top of having to adjust your, your nutrition, your diet, you know, you're cutting out significant amount of calories Yet you still have to maintain the the amount of training that's needed for a fight, the amount of training that's needed for the weight cut. And so it is, it's a very significant change, even though it's just 10 pounds, it's a huge change in your body anatomy, in your mindset, in your training camp. There's so much that goes into the weight cuts on top of losing an additional 10 pounds. No, 100%. And I think we're gonna see, you know, where he fits in, because as I mentioned, Kaikar France is a legitimate contender oh gosh, yes. at this 125-pound weight class. So Garbrandt not taking uh, any easy uh, trips here in this uh, first flyweight fight. We'll see what he has to uh, offer coming up Saturday night inside the Octagon. When I look at Cody Garbrandt and I think about some of his uh, you know, biggest accomplishments inside uh, the UFC, he, he beat Dominic Cruz. And you know, yes. not many people have beaten Dominic Cruz, but Dominic Cruz back in action coming up on Saturday night. Let's take a look at uh, Dominic Cruz a, a little bit in this fight. Um, taking on Pedro Munoz, you know, it, it's weird to see this number 10 next to Dominic Cruz because he, he's been so flawless throughout his entire career, but he's, you know, fallen on some harder times. Um, do, do you think Dom feels that pressure? Because again, he was the number one Bantamweight for the longest time. And now he's, you know, out there being asked to sort of prove himself. And, you know, if, if he's going to climb the, the ladder back again to, you know, the top echelon of this division, the time is now. He's going to have to, you know, step on that gas pedal. Yes, TJ. You know, I don't. I don't know if there's pressure on Dom. I think that he's had such a long, extensive career. If we've, if you've just followed him, you know all the injuries, the the uh, just the difficulties he's had throughout his athletic career. I mean, this man just never stops coming back. He never, he never stops trying to progress. And, and you hear it in him, even in his commentating. He's such an intelligent fighter. He truly understands the sport so well. And so I think at this point, you know, it's not about 
you know, him having to prove himself. He's proved himself for many, many years. He's having fun today, and he's just enjoying the fight. Because as a fighter, there's there's no other place you'd rather be than locked inside of a cage with someone else and fighting. Right, no, and I mean, that's that's something that uh, Dominic Cruz definitely loves to do. And, you know, one thing that you mentioned, Pearl, that I, you know, I find really um, good about someone like Dominic Cruz is, you know, he is taking that time to be a color commentator and, you know, just the idea of looking at mixed martial arts through a different lens, not only as an active competitor, but someone who is, you know, paid to study it live in the moment. You know, Dominic Cruz might be one of the better minds, uh, you know, oh right gosh, now when it comes absolutely. to commentating. He, he just sees things differently, and I gotta believe that helps him as an active competitor himself. He's so articulate, and he's so detailed when it comes to him breaking down fights, commentating, analyzing. You know, he really does understand what is happening, and he understands where what needs to be done, and he's able to articulate that and translate that for everyone at home. Yeah, no, and uh, you know he's taking on a very tough Pedro Munoz. Munoz has uh, come up uh, a little bit short in some fights recently, but two quality opponents, Jose Aldo is one, uh, the reigning champion, Aljamain Sterling uh, another, and then of course Frankie Edgar. Like, Pedro Munoz might be in the lower part of that top 10, but just like Dominic Cruz, that number can be a little bit deceiving. He's truly one of the better fighters at 135. Yes, Pedro's been fighting forever, and he's another one of those fighters that is very in tune with his athletic career. He, he understands what's needed. You know, he's been in this sport a long time. He's He's gone through injuries. He understands the importance of nutrition and, and taking care of himself. And so, yes, he is another one of those fighters that has progressed and continued to maintain this elite level as the sport has continued to evolve. Now, Munoz, again, a proven commodity, Dominic Cruz, proven commodity. If they get a win, no matter who gets a win here, you got to believe it's going to help them in the rankings. For Dominic Cruz, you know, he's only lost three times in his entire career. Unfortunately, two of those three fights have been relatively recently. So, you know, it seems like he's lost more than just three. But the guy is basically unblemished for the longest of times. Yes. If Dominic Cruz gets this win on Saturday, does he need to really make a statement to, to rise up the rankings? Or is it just a, a win over, you know, a very competent Pedro Munoz? Is that enough to get him back, in, you know, to maybe a number seven or number six? Yeah, I think that Dominic just needs to go out there and be Dominic Cruz. Like, he's, he, again, you said his, he's gone through most of his career unblemished, you know? And so just to go out there, to, to feel himself again, to get back, to feel confident, to get back on the winning side is all he, he needs. And ultimately, again, at this point in his career, it's it's all about the, the experiences and the, the moments and being present in these fights because they are. The, the more that you fight, the longer that you're in this sport, the closer you are to the end of the tunnel. Yeah, no, so that is a, a prelim, by the way. Dominic Cruz, Pedro Munoz, a prelim. That's how stacked this card is coming up Crazy. Saturday night inside T-Mobile Arena. Let's get back to our main card a little bit because, uh, you know, the Sugar Show is taking center stage once again. Sean O'Malley is back in action. And when I look at, at O'Malley, you know, he's, he's truly a guy that has captivated the MMA world, and, and for good reason. He's a, a very exciting fighter inside the octagon. People have really taken away something from his, uh, you know, interviews. Like, th this guy is 
forcing people to take notice and that's the hardest thing in the sport is to be you know an unranked fighter coming up the ranks and getting the whole MMA world to care about you Sean O'Malley's done that oh my gosh and that's like his whole campaign this this fight is unranked 15 if you look at his gear and his little capsule that he had for this fight it, it, that's what it is is unranked 15 and you know he says he's the unranked champion and he does he has the heart of the people look at his look you know the look is it's just in right now and it, it and you look at his style of fighting he's such an exciting fighter i mean the dynamics in his striking his ability to to throw these to throw his feet and then land one big shot and put you out like he's such an exciting fighter he's a new comer to the sport he's taken the stage by storm i mean and he's also very intelligent right and as for as fun as he is um as cool as he is on his media if you really listen to him this man is is, is a really intelligent fighter and is really owning and honing being an athlete and he says he has the best sleep in the ufc and sleep right now in his fight camp is a priority and for me being in the sport for as long as i have I don't think I've ever heard that, how important sleep is. I think as a fighter, it's, it's always been the training. How much training can I get in? You know, and then maybe the diet comes in, obviously, because you got to make weight. But so many people look past these small details that really can add up to so much in, in the performance. And ultimately, throughout the training, throughout the, the media and everything else, it's the performance. The only thing that matters is your performance. And for him to understand how important sleep is to his performance really shows how intelligent this this fighter is as an athlete. You know, sleep goes a long way, as you mentioned. It's one of those things that you can never really catch up on. So if you aren't sleeping enough, it's not like you're gonna, you know, go in and get extra rounds of sleep. That's not really a, well, a thing. Well, just three days right. of uh, inaccurate, inadequate sleep can reduce your testosterone by 30%. Just saying, just three days, just three days Doc of inadequate Dr. Gonzalez, sleep. I mean, jeez. I'm, I'm a big fan of sleep too. You know, I'm one of those that's pursued health for a long time and sleep is so important and it's looked past so often. Yeah, I mean, that, that is something that, again, I've never heard an athlete say. You know, I'm focusing on sleeping a priority in, in this camp. And you mentioned the way he approaches things. It, it is unorthodox in the sense that like, He's very patient with his career. He's talked about not really wanting yes. to rise up the ranks uh, too fast. He's taken on uh, Julian Paiva. Paiva's ranked number 15 uh, in the in the Bantamweight division. So you got to believe if O'Malley is able to get this win, he's probably going to take that number. But, you know, how much longer do we sort of see him in this spot of being the first fight on the pay-per-view card Can Compared to you know fighting someone in that top ten or or potentially you know taking on someone in the top five, like what what is the evolutionary process to take on those type of challengers for O'Malley? Yeah, I think that O'Malley, you know, we saw him and he looked so good. He was just so impressive in his Dana White Contender Series debut and then his debut in the UFC, and then and then it kind of came to oh he's got holes and we saw some vulnerability in his game. And I think at this point in his career, like you said, he's very patient. So while being patient, while taking these fights and not rushing to the top, he's just gaining these skills. He's closing the gap. He's filling the holes and doing what's needed to be done so that when he meets these higher ranked opponents, he's more than well prepared. And uh, 
Yep, that's it. I, damn, I had something else, but I can't think well, of it. Well, I'm going to throw something at you. Yeah, um, sure. Looking sure. at O'Malley, one of the bigger sort of concerns that people have had, and we've brought this up with Ray Longo in the past, is his ability to take damage to the legs. He's had some issues uh, taking uh, some, some leg injuries, and not that an athlete ne ever really needs to focus on, you know, their their liabilities per se from an injury standpoint, because then it's going to constantly be on your mind, but do you think that's something that O'Malley needs to be aware of as he goes through his career uh, of not taking unnecessary shots with those legs? Because it, it seems like, again, it could be a liability. I think that any athlete any athlete, any combat sports athlete, especially any athlete that's in the UFC, the elite level of fighting, has to take this very seriously. You know, our bodies, bodies are vulnerable and, and they are susceptible to injuries. And our mind as a fighter, you know, you're, you're iron sharp, your your will is just won't be broken, but your body cannot take damage. And so as a fighter, and especially for the longevity of your career, you do, you have to take injuries, health, and all of these things very, very seriously because it plays a part. Your body will, I, I won't say give up, but your body will give in much sooner than your mind will. And so for O'Malley, yes, we've seen we've seen the leg kicks, and if you look at his body frame and his body type, he's lanky, his limbs are, are long and, and skinnier than someone that's more compact. And so yes, his, his ability to maybe take these low leg kicks, which are right now so big in this sport, may not be as well as someone that has a, a thicker calf or a thicker and compact muscles. So yes, absolutely. He, him, and along with everybody else on the roster, needs to take it very seriously. You know, we're looking at you know him taking the leg kicks, but what about him delivering? Because again, you, you can you know hurt yourself just as much by throwing a kick and getting it checked. Does does O'Malley need to watch that as well? You know, I don't know if you watch that. Can you prepare for it? Absolutely. Can you increase your um, bone density? Yes, you can through strength training, through yoga, and these and various other things. Can you, can you condition your shins, condition your bones? Sure, but it's a fight. People check kicks. Can you set them up better? Yes, he can. He can definitely set up his his kicks better. But um, you, you can't think about that. You don't have the luxury of, of focusing on these things while you're in a fight. You just have to execute in the moment. Let's take a look at some of the uh, other action headed your way on Saturday night. Another prelim to keep your uh, eyes on. Miranda Maverick, the number 13 ranked flyweight, takes on Aaron Blanchfield. This is going to be a phenomenal fight. Both of these women, 22 years old. I, Blanchfield's 22. I think Maverick's 24. Yes. Um, you know, there's a lot of potential here. Oh my gosh. This is one of those fights where this might be chapter one of a trilogy. They're going to be around for so long. This is 100% chapter one. Um, these two young women are the future of our sport. Both are so talented. They're very new to, to the UFC. And I do believe that they will meet again. And both of these women at some point in their career will both be contenders for, for the title. Yeah, no, and, and you know, I I was so blown away with really both of these athletes and how they've, you know, come up through the ranks. But Erin Blanchfield, you know, when she fought and, uh, you know, got got the, the win in her UFC debut, um, I, I was blown away because she was able to essentially 
have that one-way traffic type of fight where it was almost you know 10-8 all three rounds and you know that that's one thing to go out and, and do that especially when the sort of uh, expectations are, are really high. Um, she's a phenomenal grappler. We saw in her uh, last Invicta fight, uh, she knocked out um, a fighter with a head kick. So it's like... Yeah, it's, it's, it's Lombardo. Yeah, yeah, so like when you look at her... her, her she's dangerous on the feet and on the floor. And it goes back to like what we were saying with Oliveira. It's like, pick your poison. Um, but, but again, she doesn't get away from like what has made her this sort of phenom, and her jiu-jitsu is, is pretty phenomenal, but looking at Miranda Maverick, she's also a really good uh, jiu-jitsu player, so I tend to think that in a straight jiu-jitsu match, Aaron Blanchfield's going to have the edge there, but in a mixed martial arts match, I don't necessarily know who the, the favorite to pick it, uh, here is. You know, it's a very interesting matchup because, yes, both of these women are, are, are excellent grapplers. Uh, Blanchfield has been training since she was a, a young girl, and she started out in jiu-jitsu. She's competed at a high level in jiu-jitsu as she was growing up. She's very, very young, but she's very, very experienced for her age, and she she's what I like to consider that next generation of fighter, the fighter that started almost walking on the mats right. and training her whole life to become a UFC fighter. And uh, yeah, she has phenomenal grappling. She can get you down. She can position you. She can put you in these in these places and 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 strike and land good ground and pound. Um, and and also overwhelm you with her striking. She's not the most technical striker, but she can overwhelm you with her pressure and her forward motion. But Miranda Maverick. Miranda, another one who's been training for a very long time in her young career, um, she grew up on a farm, and she has like this farm strength, and, and I've had the, the honor of sharing the cage with her, and she was so strong. She is such a strong, athletic woman, and, and is also very intelligent. You know, while pursuing her UFC career, she was also pursuing a master's degree at the same time, and, and you know, that just goes to show her dedication to not only the sport, but to her, to her education. She's a very intelligent fighter she understands game plan against specific opponents and can execute that game plan with that being said I do believe that Miranda Maverick does have the edge in the Muay Thai and the striking um, but can also outposition and can and can put together the perfect game plan for Blanchfield however Blanchfield is so dangerous in every area and so yes you know to our listeners that are listening you may not have heard have heard of these young fighters yet but I promise you these two young women will be in this on this roster for a very long time and both are prospects to look out for in the future no 100% and you know looking at uh, Miranda Maverick uh, I didn't know this I just stumbled upon it on Facebook she got married yeah. during this camp yeah. like just a few weeks ago so it's like she knows what she wants in life and she goes out there and, and gets it whether it's you know fighting whether it's in school whether it's her personal life I, I always joked with her when I would interview her, like, Miranda Maverick, you make me feel lazy because <laughs> she's able to go out there and, and pursue exactly what she wants. And more often than not, she goes out there and gets it. She does. She's such a hard worker. She's such an intelligent fighter and an intelligent athlete where I don't think that she's doing unnecessary things. She understands point A to point B figures out the plan and executes it very well to the T. And that is why I believe that in this fight, she may have the slight edge there because she, she has that ability to plan. But Blanchfield, like Erin is, is one of those, she's a monotone fighter. She does not ever have any emotion in her fight. And I've always looked at her and kind of been in awe 
um, and, and how unemotional she would be in these fights, in these big moments and, and big fights that you would think for such a young fighter, you know, it would be overwhelming. But she just is so, so willing and able to remove emotion and just focus on the task at hand, which is the fight or whatever competition is in front of her. And so with that being said, like this, this is why this is such a great matchup and yeah, you, one to look out for. You mentioned the lack of emotion from Aaron Blanchfield. That's why they call her cold-blooded. You know, she is very calm, cool, and collected. And, you know, you don't find that in a 22-year-old athlete. She truly is, you know, wiser beyond her years in a lot of ways. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, she won the Eddie Bravo Invitational at, like, 19 years old. You know what I mean? She's been competing her whole life. If there is anyone that understands competition and, and, and this and this sport, it, it's, it's Aaron Blanchfield. She's been in it her whole life. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, let's take a look at another fight headed your way on Saturday night. It's the first fight of the night uh, on the UFC Fight Pass prelims. Jillian Robertson taking on Priscilla Cachoeira. Uh, Jillian Robertson has been really active as of late when it comes to grappling. Yes. She's been, uh, you know, basically taking a grappling match almost, it seems like, every month in between MMA fights. What are your thoughts on, on her, you know, activity level? Because that's something I know her coach, Dean Thomas, really supports is going out there in between fights and having you know, that ability to go out there and, and just still feel like you're active even though you're not necessarily fighting MMA. Yeah, no, she's, you know, I think that in her in her last fight or her last outing with Miranda, I think that some of um, her grappling was a, a was a, there was vulnerability there and I think that she's really going and honing that and she's always been a great grappler she's always been one of the top grapplers in this division but I think that she's just going out there she sees the opportunity it's so much fun to kind of remove the striking and remove all the damage that's that's taken in an MMA fight and, and go and grapple and work on these skills work on positioning in which she is is so good at at positioning you holding you down and, and putting her will and stealing her will on you on the mat and so I think that it can only benefit her already a great grappler in this division competing so often in, in grappling it's only gonna help her MMA you know I, I mentioned Dean Thomas um, talking about you know being supportive of that I remember I had a chance to uh, call a, a match between uh, uh, Anthony Pettis and uh, Jorge Masvidal and this was a week before oh, the grappling match. yeah it was okay. a week it was a week before Masvidal went out there and knocked out Ben Askren and Dean was really complimentary of Masvidal for taking that match because you know to have that big of a name across you know the the ring that night it was a ring you know grappling even though it's not an MMA fight like it's good to have those those nerves and, and you know the idea of being just comfortable in the moment and I'm not gonna say that you know grappling uh, Anthony Pettis was what catapulted Masvidal to that win but I definitely don't think it hurt because you know he, he was sharp you know one week before and was sharp to say the least uh, when he when he got in the octagon and knocked out Ben Askren in like five seconds yeah you know there, there's so much experience that's gained that's so beneficial in a fight when you go out and grapple or you go out and compete in these other arts um, other martial arts and other or other forms of it that really do help your MMA your MMA ability the ability to make decisions under pressure to make decisions while someone's you know trying to outposition you or or put you in a, in a vulnerable position and, and to get out and then to also like push your will and push push your mindset to that next level that you haven't yet touched you can do that in competition you can do that without being hit and taking all of this damage and so there is there's so much benefit to 
the feeling that you get right before you compete. Like I've talked about this so many times, a fight is getting into a car crash over and over again, and you can still mimic and replicate that in a jiu-jitsu tournament, in these other martial arts competitions, without taking the damage that you would necessarily take in an MMA fight. She's Pro Gonzalez, I'm TJ DeSantis. This is Extra Rounds from UFC Fight Pass. We are on the ground in Las Vegas, hanging out at Twin Peaks as we break down UFC 269. Again, our main event, we see a lightweight championship bout between the newly crowned champion, Charles Oliveira, taking on Dustin Poirier. I cannot talk highly enough about this fight. I want to break it down a little bit more. I, I, I don't want your pick necessarily. Uh, we'll save that for our pre-show coming up on Saturday inside uh, T-Mobile. But uh, I'm curious, when you look at this fight for Oliveira, how does he do it? We've talked about his threats on the feet and on the floor. If he's going to get his hand raised against Dustin Poirier, what fashion is it in? I think that because of his clean, he's so technical. I talked about this earlier. He's so technical. If you look at his striking, you can tell this man has spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours in front of a mirror working on his technique because it's so clean from his jab to his elbows to his knees and then to the transitions on the ground. You can just tell that this man has really put a lot of time and, and energy into his technique, which is why it comes out so beautifully. And so I believe that in an exchange Oliveira can land some big can land something big capitalize with maybe some knees elbows and get the fight to the mat or force Dustin to shoot on him and take advantage of that and, and eventually go into his grappling. And that's how I would see Oliveira winning this. You know, that's one thing that I really like about uh, Oliveira is, you know, he, he has that submission game and he's also able to set it up by dropping you. You know, that's one thing that I think a lot of people don't really think about is what better way to wrap up a rear naked choke than by basically almost knocking out your opponent. You know, you drive him to the mat. It doesn't mean you have to always go for the TKO. Oliveira has the ability to go jump on something and, and choke you out even if he has you hurt badly from a combination. Yes, so. most of his submissions were set up by his striking. Most of his submissions were set up by him hurting you on the feet, frustrating you, overwhelming you, and then finishing the job on the ground. And uh, I think that in his in his last couple fights, I think his last three, if not four, he's won by knockout. So he's really starting to hone the range, hone closing the show on the striking, not having to close the distance so much that he needs to go to his grappling. He can finish you with just strikes. He can finish you and keep that range. And so I think that he's only getting better with that and and if there's ever a time that he can finish Dustin Poirier on the feed it would be right now yep that would be the first successful title defense for Dobronx if he's able to get it done against uh, Poirier coming up on Saturday night but I've, I've asked you to outline Charles Oliveira's path to victory now I'm gonna ask you to outline the path to victory for Dustin Poirier because he is he's not far off from Charles Oliveira in the sense that he's good on the feet, good on the floor. Maybe not necessarily the same sort of cookie cutter mold that Charles Oliveira is, but definitely, you know, a dangerous and, and dual threats uh, on the feet and on the floor. Absolutely. So Dustin Poirier is a dog. He is one of those fighters that never stops coming forward. He's going to put pressure on you. And his, what is most impressive to me in his striking, in which his striking is, is boxing particularly, is so flawless. 
is his ability to generate power. If you watch this man strike, the way he digs his feet into the canvas and just hits you with, with his like entire being, he can just land so many power shots with so much intention, it shuts you down. And so he's not a very dynamic striker, like so to speak, Oliveira, where he's throwing these flying knees or spinning attacks but he can land uppercuts and hooks. And he's also so good at figuring out and dissecting your 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 tempo and your rhythm. And once he figures that out, he can move, so that means he can counter and slip while still striking and still attacking you. And his uppercuts and hooks are devastating. I mean, those are his power shots there. And, and uh, I, I see Dustin just overwhelming and eventually just shutting 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 Charles Oliveira down with the striking with the overwhelming power and pressure that he can he can give him is that the word yeah no I, you know what i like is your picks for both athletes is pretty much a firefight it sounds like we're going to get you know a pretty damn good uh, exciting fight and if both of these guys are out there you know in a in a kickboxing match i mean the question is like do we write him the bonus check now or you know wait wait to see him do work on on saturday because uh, again like i think this has all the makings of a, a really great fight possibly fight of the night absolutely and i think that the matchmakers knew that when they put this one together um i think that they are ready to sign that check regardless because this is this is just one of those fights and it's not like it's uh they've earned it they've earned it over the years through the wars that they both have been in through the perseverance through getting back up after losing and, and failing after you know trying to achieve a goal and just constantly pressing forward regardless of what has gotten in their way to make them these fighters these, these highlight fighters i mean I, I, th I thought Dustin like quoted that this is like the most the in history in the UFC history the most like fights the most win bonuses the most all of these numbers and all of these um, stats this is one of the most that's ever been seen and if you look at the fight yes it's one of those fights that's been the most in history like they both have so much history in this sport so to come out and sh to, to see the years of hard work the, the years of experience, the years of wars, and to see what, what the outcome is, is we are truly, truly blessed. Yeah, 100%. And again, like, no matter who wins this fight, I think if you're a, a long-tenured mixed martial arts fan, it's hard not to feel happy for whomever gets their hand raised. Because yes. Oliveira, I mean, not many people expected Charles Oliveira to come back and surge all the way to a title fight, let alone win the championship, and now defending against Flawlessly. Yeah, and, like and nine fight win streak. Flawlessly. And, and both of these guys had, you know, fought at 145 pounds, but you know, their lasting legacies are going to be written at 155 pounds. And you know, there's a lot of uh, commonalities between these two gentlemen, and uh, we're going to see them fight coming up on Saturday night. We'll get the official picks, though, from you uh, on Saturday for our 269 uh, preview show uh, live from T-Mobile Arena. Let's take a look at some of the other action that is headed your way this week on UFC Fight Pass. Coming up on Friday, we've got your 269 weigh-in show. That's at 8.50 a.m. Pacific time. Cage Warriors 131 going down at 1 in the afternoon. LFA 120 at 6 p.m. Pacific. FAC 11 going down Friday night at 7 p.m. Pacific. And Lux 19 rounds out your Friday night of MMA programming on Fight Pass. Lux goes down at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Then on Saturday, more action.
not just the UFC, but Cage Warriors 132 prelims at 10.45 a.m. Pacific, and then Cage Warriors 132, the main card, kicking off at 12.30 Pacific, and then, of course, your UFC 269 Fight Pass prelims at 2.30 Pacific time on Saturday. So, you know, a, a lot That's to... That's like a uh, whole weekend of right. just fights. All you gotta do is lay there. That's what I'm saying. And like, Uber, maybe Uber your food in or something. Right. I mean, for, for 10 bucks a month, it's the biggest no-brainer in combat sports. Absolutely. Not to mention, you can watch 105 episodes of this show, <laughs> Extra Rounds, with me and uh, Pro Gonzalez. Uh, I can't wait to be back in inside T-Mobile coming up on Saturday. Uh, this is a phenomenal pay-per-view to sort of shut down the year. Two title fights, uh, Amanda Nunes and, and Juliana Pena. Like, I want to hit the fast-forward button. Can we just, like, make... make Saturday, get here tomorrow? It's coming. All right. Oh, good. it's coming. All right. Well, uh, we need to uh, get out of here and, uh, you know, make uh, make some uh, final preparations for uh, Saturday. We're going to do that uh, pre-fight show coming up, so hopefully you can tune in live on the uh, Facebook page, and uh, we'll get the official picks and uh, a lot more headed your way as we are live on the ground in Las Vegas for UFC 269. All right. That does it. For Pearl Gonzalez, I'm PJ DeSantis. We'll see you Saturday as we go a few more Saturday. extra rounds ahead of UFC 269. So long.